Come, Holy Ghost, God and Lord, be all your graces now outpoured on each believer's mind and heart, your fervent love to us impart. What magnificent old words. They're very close to celebrating their 500th birthday. Isn't that cool? That you and I share a faith with people for five centuries. They, they sang that hymn when it came out in what was one of the very first hymnals ever, taking advantage of the new technology of movable type. In 1524, this magnificent hymn was part of a, a little hymn book that Martin Luther put together, published in the city of Erfurt. It was called the Erfurt Enchiridion, or Handbook. And people now were invited to sing in church, and we're still singing this hymn. You know, what's even a little more amazing than that is this was a, an expansion and reworking of a much older hymn that in spite of the fact that the laity were discouraged from singing, the singing was reserved for the clergy and the choirs, and the people had gotten more and more passive, not by their choice, but they were bullied into it to keep them in their place. There were definitely two tiers of Christians throughout most of the years of the Middle Ages. It's one of the gifts of the Reformation that your dignity of your priesthood was restored. But you could not keep the German people from singing. Uh, you could suppress it, but you couldn't wipe it out completely. And there was a beautiful hymn that was written in the 800s. So this is, this is not merely 500 years old, but the hymn with which our worship today began, written by Rabanus Maurus, is over 1,200 years old. And it's the great granddaddy of all of the hymns. In fact, it's called the greatest of the Latin hymns, second only, perhaps only, to the famous Te Deum Laudamus. But Come, Come Holy Ghost, Creator Blessed, was written by, uh, gave his life to the church, he became a monk and was ordained a priest, became head of the monastery at Fulda, a huge Benedictine monastery uh, that was uh, right in the very middle of Germany that was um, the center of uh, copying, making copies of the Bible, teaching literacy, and the schools that were there educated tens of thousands of people at a time when almost everybody was illiterate. It was a mighty engine of preservation of the faith, and he became the, the abbot or the head of it. He was a consultant to the Emperor Charlemagne at a time when finally uh, there began to be a sense of order in Central Europe and the, the predecessor of what ultimately was to become the nations of Germany and France uh, had it, their foundations laid during these times. But the 800s, how little we know about those times. But how crazy it is that we're still singing that hymn today. I don't know about you, but it gives me a buzz to feel a connection with those people of long ago. What were their lives like? How hard was it to survive? Average age was probably, um, the life expectancy was 35 or 40. Diseases and plagues, hard, hard life, absence of any kinds of Medicine, uh, medicine was very crude, very, very little available in what we take for granted to extend our lives. 
People were in a constant struggle just to survive, but they were singing this hymn to comfort and encourage themselves and to thank the Holy Spirit for his work and beg him to come and fill up even more of their minds and hearts. In fact, I, I hope you were putting your back into it when you were singing this too, because you and I need them today as much as the people who are struggling to survive in the 800s AD need, needed the Holy Spirit to survive. The Spirit is the giver of faith. Jesus would just be a weird cultish joke to you if the Spirit had not gotten into your brain and flipped the lights on up there. You cannot convert yourself. You and I are beneficiaries of the fact that the Holy Spirit got after you at some point in your life. Maybe when you were little, maybe when you were in grade school, maybe you were in college and started reading or had a friend who took you by the hand and opened up the heavenly mysteries to you. I actually baptized a guy who confessed his faith five days before he died. His baptism uh, was horizontal. I've only done a few of those. Mostly baptisms are vertical when, when you're standing up or being carried as a child. Most adults don't lie down to be baptized, but he did because he was too weak to get out of his hospital bed. And five days later, he was dead. Actually, five days later, he was alive, thanks to the Spirit. So it could have happened at any time. The Spirit also gives you defenses and protection against the assaults you're under. How I wish I could tell you only happy talk, but we're in a war. You're under attack from a slimy, evil creature from hell who delights in your pain, would like to sink his hooks into you and drag you down to where he has to live and will live in misery forever. Uh, the devil is not the king of hell. He's prisoner number 00001 and wants you to share his judgment and misery. His loathing and hatred for God are boundless and since he cannot lay a glove on God, like a bully and a terrorist, he attacks God's children. But the Spirit is your best friend for standing up and being strong under these assaults. And not only to play defense, but he gives you the ability to make a difference in a positive way. And I'd like to encourage you to be filled with the Spirit today. And because you are no longer helpless unbelievers, incapable of making the right decisions about God, you now have been transformed. You've been converted. You've been born again. All these metaphors describe the same process of converting an unbeliever into a believer. You now have a willpower. You have the ability to make important decisions about your life. And your spiritual condition now in part depends on decisions that you make in your own brain. So I'd like to invite you to call God's bluff on that, as it were. If you would like your life to have more spirit in it, and I hope you do, realize that your hand is on the faucet. You know, it was pretty hot yesterday. I heard a few stories that some of you did a little yard work 
and got a little dehydrated. What do you do when you're dehydrated? Do you say, gee, I wish I, I, wish I had a drink of water. Man, I could use a Coke right now. Ah, oh, finished a long grinding time out there digging. I am so dry, it's Miller time. Well, how does that long neck get into your hand and into your mouth? You can make it happen. You don't just have to wait. And I, pardon my crude metaphor, but you can say, when you say, come Holy Ghost, God and Lord, be all your graces now outpoured. It's a prayer, but by singing that, you're encouraging the Spirit to answer your request. He likes to be invited into a bigger presence in your life. Like Jesus, he knocks on the door of your life. He doesn't kick it down. You also are capable of increasing the Spirit in your life by using his tools. When you read your Bible, you are opening up the faucet for the Spirit to come into your life. This is his breath. You can feel his breath on your cheek. He inspirited, inspired these pages. When you have it read to you, when you read it to each other in your home, you are setting the Spirit loose to, to fill, to get into your brain through your ears and eyes so that you will be stronger to play better defense and that you will know better how to use your gifts and be of use to the Lord. Not just killing time waiting for heaven, but making a difference and bringing the same changes to other people that you so enjoy yourselves. Today, let us celebrate the amazing work and gifts of the Spirit. I'd like to read with you just one paragraph from the middle of Ephesians chapter 5. You know, whenever you hear Ephesians, I'd invite you to think that the person who wrote it is in prison. Maybe even it was like house arrest, but Paul writes repeatedly in chains. I don't think that was just purely a metaphor. I think he probably really was chained down, either to a bolt in the floor or maybe uh, chained to his guard, who on pain of his own life was told to keep a watch on this prisoner. And Paul had to cool his heels in Rome for a long, long time waiting for a hearing. It took exasperatingly long. It was tediously long. Paul may have originally thought that his being a prisoner was going to end his ministry. In fact, it changed his ministry. It forced him to do more training of the younger pastors who were going to succeed him. He, he would be dead soon. He was not going to survive Nero's reign. He would be martyred, as was his friend Peter in the 60s AD. But his faith and work would live on by the people he trained. So the fact that dozens of younger Christians had gotten personal training and commissions to serve meant that the faith was going to live on after he died. It also meant that Paul got a change of scenery. He got a chance to work within the empire because the soldiers that were chained to him had to get an earful of his faith. You think he sat there and 
just quietly curse them? No, he made them listen to his evangelism presentation. He practiced, and the fact that they undoubtedly changed out guards meant that he got a whole bunch of different people to uh, listen to him. He got to speak to the Praetorian Guard, who were the guards of the emperor himself. He got an inside opportunity. He also got to have a lot of guests and visitors. He was not in solitary down in the hole. He could have company. And he could write letters, and this is one of them. So even though he probably was raging with impatience to get back on the road, he chose to use the opportunities given to him. In fact, he actually says that. He's going he's gonna to comment on that in, in, in this paragraph. So let's have a look at it. Be very careful then, therefore, how you live. That word then is a therefore word. It's, uh, we just, I always want to um, have our Bible study time last for two or three hours and, and uh, because everything's all connected. And, and of course, I want to explain everything to you and some things you just got to read for yourself. The therefore talks about the powerful impact of what just preceded. And you can read that for yourself. Find out what pleases the Lord, he says. So if you're going to do that, to, to find out what pleases the Lord, you then got to be careful. Uh, don't be a fool, as Mr. T would say, not as unwise but as wise. So here are five or six words that describe the things you struggle against. I mentioned Satan and his demons before. One of your biggest um, enemies is what lurks within. The old sinner inside you is like a dead weight trying to drag you back, holding you back. Um, it's fog. It's the mental fog in your brain. The sin we have means we never quite hear God with absolute clarity. We never quite process it with 100% accurate conclusions. And even our words come out groping and sometimes a little foggy as well. As, as long as we live, we are sinners. And it's, it's an obstacle we have to work our way around and a, a, a sort of a dead weight as we drag around. That's just part of the cost of doing business as a sinner waiting for heaven. So we, Paul says, think. Don't just drift along in your life. Think. Don't be unwise. Be wise. And of course, how do you get wisdom? Listen to the word. Read the word. Hear the word. Sing the word to yourself and with others. Making the most of every opportunity. Uh, that is a, a really interesting Greek word. Go to the marketplace, and it's like go shopping, Paul says. Seize the, the time at, when, the, when the time is ripe. Take advantage of your opportunities. So he did that himself. Instead of fuming that he was chained up, he actually used his prison experience as a platform to connect with a different kind of people, people he would not ordinarily have run into as he went synagogue hopping. So make the most of every opportunity. And that's what's so exciting about realizing that you are priests of God. You don't belong to a religious organization where you chip in a few bucks and hire somebody to do ministry. This is half time. The real ministry of St. Marcus is gonna go on 
more efficiently and more effectively starting in about a half an hour when you're free and can go back to your ministries. This is just, I'm just your coach and encourager, not the one who does it for you. Make the most of your opportunities to look at your life. Who are you connected to? Who over whom do you have some kind of influence? Who would listen to you? And it's many more, it's explosively more than just the relationships your pastors have. You are God's ministers. Why? Because the days are evil. Satan has his hooks into people, and he doesn't give up on the ones who seem to have escaped him. He tries to grab their ankles and drag them back into unbelief. So we need to choose to be filled with the Spirit, loading up on word, enjoying the supper where the Spirit actually connects us bodily with Christ. Uh, in answering our invitations to come and fill our hearts. Therefore, don't be foolish. There's another, another warning. Understand what the Lord's will is. How do you understand what the Lord's will is? How do you, how do you know what to do? How do, you, how do you know what Jesus would do? What would Jesus do? You have to read the word to know that. You won't be able to guess it. Uh, people think they can. You know, they say, well, I think Jesus would do this. You don't have the slightest idea what Jesus would do. Um, unless you read the word, you are, you're, you got nothing but guesswork. Don't ever fall into that stupid trap trying to channel Jesus. Well, I think he would, I think he would do this. Uh, one guy told me once that um, he was going to check out of his marriage and he was going to go uh, looking for a, a different spouse because uh, he was so miserable with this spouse. I think Jesus would want me to be happy, he said. What? What an idiot. He's, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little worked up. But that's what Paul is saying. Don't be idiots. Understand what the Lord's will is. Maybe you are making her miserable. What in you needs to change? Don't get drunk. God gave you wine to make your life good. Becoming addicted or getting out of control by the alcohol in it uh, is an abuse of one of God's gifts. Every gift God gives can be abused, uh, and wine is one of them. And it leads to what today is called partying. Here's a wonderful, beautiful old word, debauchery. That just means doing what, uh, throwing off constraints. There's a beast in each of us that wants to come out, kicking over the fences, and living any way we want and caving to our appetites. Truly, some of Satan's best allies of getting a beachhead in our lives is manipulating our appetites. So what do you put in your head? What do you fill your life with? What do you chase? Do you chase money? Are you, do, you, do you love power? Do you like being able to manipulate other people? Do you like moving the chess pieces around? Do you like attention? Do you like to manipulate situations to get attention? Do you like people looking at you and listening to you? What is it that you crave? And what do you feed yourself? Be filled with the Spirit. Put Spirit in you. And secondly, let your life be filled with Spirit activities. Which, makes, which accelerates this process of being spirit-driven, not cravings-driven or appetite-driven.
So here's some examples. How, do you be, how can you be filled with the Spirit? Uh, Paul kind of assumes you know how to get the Spirit in you. It comes through the inspiration of the Word. He wrote about that elsewhere. But he says, here's how to have your lives be filled with the Spirit. First of all, speak to one another. So saying the words of the gospel truths help to embed it more deeply in your heart. Tell your children. You are the primary teachers of your children, nieces and nephews and grandchildren. The family is the primary way in which the faith is transmitted. The Sunday school program that you just witnessed a half an hour ago is really important, but it will never replace you as the parents, grandparents, aunties, and uncles of the little ones. Your job is to transmit it. In a family, you are, it's the buddy system. You are in charge of the faith of the people who live with you. Take that seriously and speak these things. Set the word in motion. I've said this to you before uh, numerous times, and I'm going to say it again. The Bible lying on your coffee table is only potential energy. does not do squat until you set it in motion. It does not self-radiate. The Bible is not like Alexa, which is quietly listening to everything you say, ready to do your bidding. Uh, it's like it busily at work. You must get into it and speak it to set it in motion. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, sing with each other. Sing these wonderful Pentecost songs. Sing Christian music and sing it and make music in your heart to the Lord. So you've got, uh, it's really interesting, you've got a double audience. When you're singing Christian songs, well, really triple. You're singing to your own heart. You're encouraging yourself. You're encouraging the people around you, and you're worshiping your God. One of the great reasons why I so love being in church is singing to me is always fun. I love to sing, but I really love to sing with you because I'm singing for you to encourage you, and you're singing to me. You have no idea the impact your voices have on my pea brain and my cold, stubborn heart. You warm me up and you accelerate and vivify my faith. You blow the Spirit's breath on the embers and get the fire burning again. I love hearing you sing. It's a communal thing. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. Gratitude is a is spirit fruit because you're not wired for gratitude. You're wired for selfishness. The spirit can help you overcome that. Gratitude means you are recognizing that the good stuff in your life came from outside of you by something else or someone else. Gratitude means instead of saying, look what I have built with my life, you say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Spirit. Thank you, God. Thanks to your parents. Thanks to your, your wedding partner, your marital partner. Thanking your children for what they do for you. Thanking your company and your, your bosses. Thanking the people who work with you and for you. And showing appreciation. This is a spirit gift. Let your life be filled with a spirit of thankfulness. When you are thankful, you're much more inclined to be generous, able with God's help to overcome the stinginess 
that you were born with and let more spirit light come out of you. And the it's so much easier to be kind with another fool in your life who needs some patience and mercy from you if you realize about how much of your life is a gift from God coming to you, that it came from outside of you. So cultivating a thankful spirit is a lot of work because you're overcoming some strong headwinds, but it's how to let your life be filled with the spirit, giving thanks to God the Father for everything. For everything? Paul even said, I give thanks for my chains. It taught him some things. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, meaning even through our hardships, God is going to work good for us, just as God used Paul's imprisonment to provide a new platform for the spread of the gospel in ways that would not have happened if he had been footloose. And here's a fourth and final thing we need to cultivate to be full of the Spirit. And you might not like hearing this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Man, I got to tell you, I love getting my way. Have you, ever, have you ever gotten in my way? Did I dance you gently out of my way? Did I shove you out of my way? Did I walk all over you? Did I argue with you? Perhaps all of the above. Here's apologies. Because I don't like to yield. I don't like to submit. I am very stubborn in my opinions. I know you're shocked to hear that. And I always think I know what's best. And sometimes I'm in too big a hurry to listen to you. Because I'm sure I know everything already. I'm saying that not in pride. I'm embarrassed to out myself in that way. But this is important. It also is one of the secrets of having a happy marriage. If you're married, married or thinking about getting married, this is how it works, how two strong-minded, strong-willed people can live with one another without driving each other crazy, is yielding, is taking turns. And this is a great way for you to show the spirit in your home that you can yield without thinking that makes me look weak. You can yield in the name of Jesus. You're doing this out of reverence for Christ. You can let go of always getting what you want and saying, it's okay, Lord, you're going you're gonna to work this. You're going to knit this all together. Lord Jesus, you yielded and made yourself a servant a slave to death itself, even death on a cross, to make me a lord and make you a lady in his kingdom. Make me a prince and you princesses. Isn't that exciting? I can yield as well. I can listen first before talking. I can see what you need. I can make myself your servant and adapt myself to you without thinking that makes me look weak. I, it means I can wait for things without thinking that that's weakness. Just as the disciples had to wait for 10 long days before Jesus' promised gift of the Spirit finally came. In all of these things, these, these are, this is just a handful of ways in which you can open up the faucet and let the Spirit speak to you and speak through you. And the joyful thing is, 
It's a happier way to live. Giving away of yourself only opens up the faucet for God to send even more to you. You don't impoverish yourself by giving and serving. You only enrich yourself because what it does is it sets in motion a similar attitude. The more you take, the more other people around you get defensive and close up. The more you give and serve, letting the Spirit flow through you, you will inspire them to want to give back to you. Yes, you will have more rather than less. Come, Holy Spirit, God and Lord, be all your graces now outpoured on each believer's mind and heart. Your fervent love to us impart. Amen. This message was a production of St. Marcus Lutheran Church. For similar content, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or our YouTube channel. For more information about how to support our urban gospel ministry in Milwaukee, please visit stmarcus.org.